Welcome to the South Mims U podcast. Have you ever been abducted by aliens? If you have, when was the last time? Has it been a while? It seems that the aliens haven't been visiting Earth as regularly as they did in the second half of the 20th century. Is that because the aliens got bored of us? Or discovered we were just too stupid a species to study? Or maybe they never existed in the first place. Well, for the first time since the peak of the alien abduction stories in the 1990s, our researchers at the South Mims U Faculty of Alien Contact Studies have begun to notice a distinct uptick in UFO sightings and abduction reports. To help me understand what's going on and to reveal some stunning new evidence is our Associate Professor of Extraterrestrial Research, Dr Cora Minsky. Hello. I'm incredibly pleased to be here. This is an especially important area of research. But surely, Cora, all these abduction stories, they're just, they're just made up, aren't they? Well, that's the narrative that mainstream academia, especially psychologists, usually take. But something else is going on here, something important. OK, but let's step back, shall we, and look at how the concept of alien abduction began. All right. Uh, as you said, there have been blooms of stories over the years, and some researchers argue that there have always been abduction stories. But in the past, before the rise of mass media and the popularity of science fiction novels, stories, movies and TV shows, visitations by aliens were reported as being made by angels or saints, or even God himself. The rise of secular society meant that what used to be interpreted as religious visions morphed into secular encounters with aliens. So your guardian angel might actually be an alien? Guardian angels, saints, prophets and of course devils and demons too. All can now be interpreted as aliens, both benign and dangerous. Well, that's fascinating. But let's not get sidetracked by the religious angle. The point is that we can see a distinct beginning to the idea of modern alien abductions in which ordinary people are supposedly taken by aliens to a spaceship or kept uh, captive for a few hours in their own homes for the purpose of some kind of examination or alien research and then released back into the ordinary world. You can pinpoint an exact date, can you? But it's accepted that the first case to get the attention of the world's media occurred during the night of September 19th, 1961, near Indian Head in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Uh, Betty and Barney Hill of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, were driving home after a visit to Montreal, Canada, when they noticed a bright light hovering in the sky and seemingly following their car on a lonely road. Oh, I love these stories. I, I'm getting a tingle on the back of my neck right now. Go on. Barney stopped the car and got out to take a look. He had binoculars with him. He saw a large aircraft which hovered, then landed in a field near where they were parked uh, at the side of the road. Inside, he saw bipedal humanoid figures wearing uniforms. In, in some accounts, he says the uniforms reminded him of Nazi uniforms, but that's a bit hazy. He said uniforms. Alien Nazis? You sure he hadn't been to some trashy bee picture and they'd spark bad dreams, are you? You're getting ahead of yourself. Many psychologists would say that that's exactly what was happening in Betty and Barney's minds. It was late at night. He might have been falling asleep at the wheel. And then there was this strange glow in the sky. His brain was bound to get overloaded. But Betty and Barney's story was believed by millions when it came out. OK, OK. Fill in some more detail for us, will you? Betty and Barney then found themselves in their car two hours later. They felt as though their bodies had been changed somehow. 
Betty's dress was torn and dirty, and Barney's binocular strap was broken. They had no memory of what had happened to them. They drove home and tried to carry on with their lives. So they didn't go to the papers or the TV or anything like that? No, they were just two ordinary people. Barney was a postal worker and Betty a local civil servant, so they just went back to their everyday lives. But the experience haunted them and a year later they went for hypnotherapy. They wanted to shake the sense of doubt and loss that came from those two blank hours. They really believed something strange had happened to them. And what did it reveal? Well, that they'd suppressed traumatic memories of being taken by aliens into a spaceship and examined as if they were lab rats. Both had remarkably similar stories, even though they were examined separately. They underwent what's called hypnotic regression, which is a technique which seeks to uncover suppressed or hidden memories in great detail. How did the media get to know about it? They wrote an article about their abduction in a journal called The Boston Traveller, and it got picked up by the wider media. Then they wrote a book called The Interrupted Journey, and by 1965 they were international celebrities. They sparked a rapid rise in the UFO craze, which had been gathering pace since the 1950s, but really reached a mass audience in the late 60s. After that, well, UFO mania took off. You had movies like Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and by the late 80s and early 90s, shows like The X-Files were hugely popular. Oprah regularly had abductees on her programme, and a slew of books came out recounting their experiences. And that's when the abduction thing really, really took off, did it? Yes. The high point for abduction experiences, they're called experiences, was during the 1990s, Almost half of Americans, and this was a mainly American phenomenon, though abduction stories are global too, believed that UFOs were from outer space and that the US government was hiding evidence that they were real. Ah, right. And this is where Area 51 comes in, isn't it? Yes, it does. It's a classified United States Air Force facility in Nevada, and it's where many people believe alien bodies and craft are stored, hidden from public view. Wasn't there a recent attempt to uh, storm the place? Yes, but it it was a bit of a damp squib. Which reflects the decline in UFO mania and abduction stories you've been researching, right? It does. Some commentators point to 9-11 and the rise of global terrorism as a reason for the sharp decline in abduction stories. But some academics believe that the rapid development of the internet meant that those stories were still being shared but were now confined to small communities of UFO and alien abduction believers. Whatever happened, it's clear that the mainstream media lost interest. But I believe there are signs that the alien narrative is going to make a big comeback. Well, why? Well, let's just take a look at the most common features of the alien abduction experience. Which is like a dream, right? I mean, so it's not an actual experience. That's prejudging whether you believe it's real or not. The point is that there are so many common features that you could say they're the result of a mass psychosis, or that the aliens have a specific method which is replicated around the world each time they abduct someone. OK, OK, go on. The great majority of alien abduction accounts are terrifying, nightmarish experiences, which take place usually in the dead of night or in the early morning, when the abductee wakes and feels totally paralysed. Which is a clearly defined physical phenomenon, sleep paralysis. Yes, it is, that's true. I don't dispute that. The point is that the experiencers then recount stories of alien creatures, usually grey colour with large black vacant eyes, long fingers, often segmented bodies. Segmented? They're weirdly mobile, and their body parts can even detach. That is weird. 
Go on. The aliens either take the experiencer to a ship which is large, cool, dimly lit with other people on slabs or even human specimens in jars, either whole or in pieces. That's gross. And the aliens carry out invasive procedures. They probe, they dig, they cut, they slice, they enter through your nose, your mouth and your throat and via the anus, they perform sex acts, they take organs, even replace them and then using advanced technologies return you to your bed or your car or wherever you were, totally intact, at least on the surface. You look the same, but you're never really the same again. It's a nightmare. I mean, it's an actual nightmare. Could be but perhaps it isn't. Okay, well, I I can't wait. You're going to have to get to the point. (laughs) Why would people make all that up? That's what many of them say after they've gone through hypnotic regression. They ask a simple question. Why would they suddenly start to claim that they'd been abducted by aliens if they hadn't been actually abducted by aliens? Well, they're depressed. They want attention. They're stressed, suffering from too much anxiety. Sure, all of those things are plausible, but here at South Mims we've discovered something that sheds new light on the phenomenon. And that is? I want to play you a tape of an interview we obtained recently. This is Cornell Bly, and he was recorded during the second week of the pandemic lockdown. OK, well, here's the tape. Yeah, so I'm like staring up at the ceiling and there's this this thing with a face mask on, but it's not any kind of face mask you ever saw before it. It's glowing, and it, and it's got an image of me on it, and and, and like, I can see my brain, like, like it's in the TV monitor or X-ray, or, or like one of those MRI scans, and and and, and the thing wearing the face mask looks like not not ET, but ET's brother who's in the mafia, like he's in Breaking Bad or something, like, like a Mexican cartel kind of guy. Well, and, and, oh, and then I'm spinning, and I feel sick. Uh, and the next thing I know, I'm in a tank of something like raspberry jello, uh, and there are needles coming out of my whole body, and they're, they're pumping stuff out of me, and then pumping stuff into me, and, and, and I pass out. Next thing I know, my, my wife is shaking me awake. She says, I smell really strange, and like, take a shower right away, she says. So, so, so I do. Uh, and I'm different. I, I feel really strange, and and all I can remember is seeing that coronavirus spiky graphic. Not on the TV, but on, on the alien scanner. Like, like they were harvesting the coronavirus from me. God knows why. He sounds, I don't know, like he was hallucinating due to the coronavirus. He hadn't had it. He hasn't had it. He doesn't have it. So you think his experience was real? If I listen to his words as an academic, I think he was experiencing sleep paralysis. But if I listen to him as as a human being, he sounds totally authentic. He believes that he went through that experience and it has something to do do with COVID-19. But it's just a feeling. Well, it's more than a feeling. I could interpret it as a dream that felt so real that it troubles the person and leads them to invent a narrative which justifies their feelings and that narrative then becomes the truth. And that truth then helps them cope with the trauma. But then I spoke to my colleague, Professor Leon Lazard. Leon Lazard? I thought he didn't work here anymore. I mean, he lost his tenure, didn't he? He did. But suddenly his theories, once considered outlandish, are starting to sound a little more plausible, shall we say. 
Isn't he camped outside the old de Havilland Aircraft Museum, which is just down the road from here in London Colney? Yes, he set up a camp there. And isn't that because he believes that the museum is a front for a secret British government lab which communicates with aliens? It is. I know that sounds wacky, but you have to give him credit. He's tenacious and creative. Creative? You mean he's making it all up? No. I mean he has the ability to pull together disparate elements to reveal patterns which might, just might, lead us to some surprising conclusions. He's agreed to appear in this podcast... He's waiting on the line, right now. OK, well, what have we got to lose? Let's see if he can hear us. But Professor Lazard, are you there? Professor Lazard, are you there? Hello, hello. I'm here, over. Hello, uh, Professor Lazard, I-, I understand you're protesting against the government's covert alien operations, as you call them. Not just protesting, dear boy, but whistle-blowing. In fact, I have an actual whistle, and I blow it every time one of the black limos appears furtively on this site. You hear that? An actual whistle. That's quite original, don't you think? They call people like me whistle blowers, but none of them ever have a whistle. I have an actual whistle. Indeed, right. Well, that's um, um, very clever. The papers love it. It's a big gold whistle with a picture of an alien engraved upon it. I've done a merchandising deal and we're going to sell them online. So you believe that the de Havilland Aircraft Museum is just a front? It is a front and not a particularly good one. Well, I mean, I've been there a number of times and it's a great museum. Hangars with old planes and people restoring them. It's a great day out, but um, there's no evidence of secret bunkers or any kind of Area 51-style facilities in which alien corpses are stored. No, dear. You've fallen for the lamestream government-controlled media line. Of course it looks ordinary and innocent like a place for aircraft nerds and anoraks. That is the point. It's the perfect cover. This is the British Area 51. In fact, I've named it Area 51 and a half. Area 51 and a half? I tried Area 51B, but that sounded like the address of a post office, so I went for Area 51 and a half. Catchy, isn't it? Yes, if a little quaint. So what really happens in Area 51 and a half? It's a secret laboratory run by the United Nations, funded by shadowy billionaires and built by the Chinese in association with aliens. OK, sounds intriguing. Ah, that condescending tone, the sceptical sneer. Let me tell you, this is real and that the pandemic is linked to alien activity. All right, so the aliens are to blame. (laughs) I mean, even Donald Trump hasn't tried to blame the aliens. They're not to blame. They are possibly the key to the cure. A cure? You You mean a vaccine? A vaccine and a cure! But the pharmaceutical companies all over the world are working on that already. Not fast enough. 
aliens can do it better. Hold on, wait a minute. So your conspiracy theory is not about dark plots to undermine humanity, but but something more like Steven Spielberg's vision in Close Encounters. Yes! All you lazy A-heads think that conspiracy theories are always about something bad, when they are often about something good. I'm confused. I'm sorry, I am confused. The aliens want to help us. There it is. Oh my. What? What? The sampling module. It's coming down again. And in broad daylight. This is the pinnacle of my life's work. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to Earth. Professor Lazard. I have told the world that you have come to save us. Professor Lazard, I mean, what, what's, what is actually happening? It's hovering there. Such a beautiful sight. A conical blush pink craft with, with, with a golden aura. Uh, and, and now the door is opening. I can see, I can see a, 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 a bipedal creature, tall, with, with golden hair. Long, long golden hair, like an, like an angel. An angel of mercy and in a, a uniform of some kind. Oh, oh, de oh dear. But no, 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 no. Oh, oh dear, the line's gone dead. They must have taken him, perhaps to experiment on him. This is extremely exciting. I, I must go there. Sorry, I really, really have oh, to no, go. No, 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 I have to finish. I have to finish the podcast. So I can't miss this opportunity. I'm sorry. Bye. Well, well, that was an unexpected turn of events, and uh, and well, I don't quite know how to sum up this episode. Um, well, let's just say that the whole alien abduction phenomenon is perhaps a sign of anxious times. And we do live in very anxious times. And while I certainly wouldn't want to be experimented on by aliens myself, even if it is to help eradicate COVID-19. Oh, what's that? Oh! Oh, there's a, there's a, there's a big, oh, that light. Oh, oh my God. Mr. Gates?